0: I'm Katie McGrady, and this is Ave Explores. I ask this question lovingly, don't take it the wrong way, but are you a control freak? Isn't it funny how that term is often used kind of in a derogatory way? Oh, you're such a control freak. We say it to people who are trying to manage things or trying to plan things down to the second. I'm not going to show you my daily planner, my emails, my Trello boards or my Slack channels to show you that I absolutely 100% would fall into that category of control freak. I actually said it not long ago kind of in a in a fit of rage in my house. Everybody treats me like a control freak. I just want things to be right. And I heard myself say it, my husband looked at me across the table and he said, maybe letting go of some things would be good for you. And he said it jokingly, and we were able to kind of laugh in the moment. And then I promptly went back to organizing the medicine cabinet in what I thought was going to be the most efficient way to find everything from cough medicine to Motrin to Band-Aids as quickly as possible. We control freak. We manage our lives in a lot of different areas, whether it's our professional lives, whether it's the calendars of all the different things going on with our kids, with work, at home. We control freak our friendships at times. We manage when we hang out and what kind of photos might be posted of the gathering. So it would make sense that we often control freak, and yes, I'm using that as a verb, just go with it, that we control freak our spiritual lives. I've told the story before on this show how there have been a number of times when I've gone into adoration of the blessed sacrament and I like walk in with a lesson plan. Jesus and I are going to get through and <laughs> point out the content. We're going to do 30 minutes with a rosary and meditation. And then we're going to do 15 minutes of spiritual reading. And then the final 15 minutes of the holy hour, maybe then we'll do some spontaneous prayer, but don't get too crazy Jesus. Cause I don't want anything out of the ordinary or that I wasn't expecting. And oftentimes The best holy hours, the best times of prayer are the ones when I find myself with nothing, no agenda, no lesson plan, just me and Jesus, and I let him be in control. Now, it's easier said than done most of the time. I am trying to make things go the way I want them to go. Jesus almost has to kind of trick me into letting him be in charge. But it always inevitably works out that when he's in charge, when I've surrendered, there's the buzzword for today, when I've let the Lord lead me, dare I say, let the Lord lead me during Lent, well, it ends up being better, better than I could have imagined, better than I could have hoped, certainly better than I could have planned. And that in a lot of ways, when I've released that control when I've surrendered, the Lord is, is kind of... He's, he's sanding down those rough edges. He's giving me the opportunity and the chance to trust him. And Lent is, is really the perfect time, three weeks into it now, Lent is the perfect time to give ourselves opportunity after opportunity, numerous chances to embrace surrendering to God. Things don't necessarily go our way. A penance is particularly challenging or hard. This thing that we're fasting from, we really, really want. This prayer that we're trying to add into our routine, it's, it's hard to take the time. This desire to be generous and, and, and these other things pop up and that's where our energy and our, our treasure ends up going. But just like last week when we talked about simplicity in Lent, the simpler we make our Lent, the more available we become to God being the one in charge, the Lord being the one that leads us through Lent. It's really easy to talk about in theory. It's a lot easier to understand when we hear stories of people who've learned how to do this. We're welcoming to the show today a first-time guest here on AVE Explorers, my friend Manny Gonzalez. He's a grad student at Franciscan University of Steubenville, and he has a really profound testimony. And that's what it is. It's a witness. It's a testimony to the power of God in his life as he's walked through same-sex attraction, as he's struggled with a sense of identity, a sense of self, a love of the Lord, a love of self. And he tells his story so beautifully from the lens of... How do we invite the Lord to be not just the one in charge, but the one who guides us lovingly? There's a difference between saying, okay, Jesus, you're in charge, and we just kind of passively accept what happens, and embracing the Lord as our leader, allowing the Lord to be not the control freak, but to be the guide. Control freak is a derogatory term because any time we try to control something, and we essentially squeeze the life out of it. And then, of course, we inevitably end up squeezing the Lord out of our lives. Manny's story is a beautiful testimony of not just how he did that, but then how to recover from that, how to let the Lord be the guide, how to accept and embrace his plans over our own, how to let the time of Lent be this time of of purifying our desires of letting the Lord be that leader and purifying us as he is. This is part of our Lenten series, walking through Father Agustino Torres's incredible book Made for Heaven. You still have time to go grab it. There's even a Kindle version if you want to just be able to download it right away. And if you use code AEX24 that gets you a, a great discount all across the Ave Maria Press website. It really is an incredible discount for our listeners. We hope you use it. And we hope that you maybe walk through this Lenten season using Father Agustino's book. Of course, listening to the show week after week is hopefully very helpful to you. The book is even better. So grab a copy today, but for right now, sit back and enjoy this conversation about purifying our intentions, the Lord being our leader, letting go of that control freak nature with my friend, Manny Gonzalez. But Manny, you are, you are Hispanic. You've got the, the name and the look to prove it. Introduce yourself to our audience. Thanks for joining us on Ave Explorers. Who are you? Where are you? And then I know you have a pretty amazing story about your return to the church. Why don't you share that with us?
1: Yeah, thank you, Katie. I'm like so excited to be here with you guys. As Katie was saying, my name is Emmanuel Gonzalez. Most people know me simply as Manny, though. My story is a messy, beautiful (laughs) one. As it goes, right, with the Christian life. I'm 25 years old. Um, I am a son of God foremost before anything else. But let's just say it took a long time for me to even recognize that core identity of mine. I grew up faithfully Catholic cradle Catholic. My parents were catechists, um, raised on the faith, grew up knowing about Jesus, but didn't personally know him, didn't have a Mm -hmm. personal relationship with Jesus. I was brought up in Catholic private schools, um, had a relatively normal, quote unquote, childhood, whatever that even means, right? You know, it was around middle school when all the boys around me uh, my peers started sharing about, you know, their their cooties, their girl crushes. You know, it was like the Jessica Simpson, Britney Spears—just hormone galore, puberty <laughs> era, right? I started recognizing that I was not attracted to girls like they were. Um, as a matter of fact, I was I was attracted to my male peers. I realized very quickly I was attracted to guys, um, and this spiraled me just into um, kind of what I describe as like a, a threefold spiral of hate. I hated God because I felt as though he had somehow Mm. bestowed this upon me. Somehow he had put this horrible, disgusting, you know, as I had seen it, thing on me. I hated the Catholic Church because I felt as though she was homophobic and outdated and bigoted. So I hated God, hated the Catholic Church. And then I hated myself, ultimately, because I saw myself just as this broken, messed up human being Mm. who didn't deserve to be in church, didn't deserve a relationship with Jesus because of something I didn't choose, something I didn't ask for. But nonetheless, I just I couldn't come to terms with it. So my sexuality just spiraled me into years of just self-hatred, loathing, just caving inward, um, just constant, just again, just growing hatred of God, the church and myself, to the point where I got in a lot of trouble in school. Um, I eventually had to be sent to public school because I got kicked out of too many Catholic private schools in the North Texas <laughs> area. Um, I was on the wanted list there. And then in high school, I started getting introduced to just the world's idea of just sexuality and, you know, um, just the LGBT plus community, you know, etc. Eventually, I walked away from the church after my parents had found out in a really um, beautiful, profound way, honestly, that they responded. They didn't condemn me. Mm. You know, they didn't pull out, you know, Leviticus and slam it in my face and be like, (laughs) you know, you gotta, you know what you gotta do. Thou shall not lie with the woman, you know, but they also didn't, condone it. They didn't pull out a pride flag and, you know, <laughs> bring us home with son-in-law. You know, it was nothing like that. They just, they held me amidst my brokenness, just as the heavenly father does. They held me in my brokenness. They met me in my mess. They didn't let me stay there, but they met me there and I cried in their arms. Mm-hmm. And that was my coming out. It was really beautiful. But then I, I walked away after that because after mom and dad found out, I was like, I got nothing to hide. And so for a couple of years, I went off and I explored, you know, just the world's idea freedom in regards to sexuality I had boyfriends I was sexually active went to gay bars drag clubs did all the things you know whenever I tell my story I like to emphasize that I was not miserable right because um sin feels good that's the reality of things um I didn't hate my life I definitely had moments of happiness even if they were fleeting but Katie I wasn't joyful because there's a difference between happiness and joy joy is a person he has a name and Jesus Christ and I, I didn't know him all the while, he was still pursuing my heart, despite me constantly running away.
0: Mm-hmm. He
1: pursued me. And so things kind of took a turn where summer of 2018, the Lord kind of re- removed some scales from my eyes and allowed me to see just where I was, um, the state of my soul. And it was scary, honestly. Um, I was filled with just a really holy fear of the Lord and just a kind of realization of like, what am I doing? <laughs> and like, where, where do I want to go? You know, like, who am I? Um, all those existential crisis questions that a twenty-year-old faces, I ignored him though, and it wasn't until October 2018 where he kind of ruffled my feathers again, ruffled my feathers again. That that night, I got on my knees and I was like, Jesus, Lord, like, I don't know who you are. Apparently, Chris Tomlin says you're a good, good father, right? <laughs> you gotta, you gotta show me now. You gotta like show me now. Or I will give the rest of my life to letting people know that you are a liar and that you're not who you say you are. Mm. And that was like, I think the first real prayer that I ever prayed. It was just a cry from like the depths of my heart mm. and things started moving. Things started shifting. Grace, honestly, <laughs> that's like the only, that's all we can attribute it to, right? Mm-hmm. Desires of mine slowly started shifting, just desires to, you know, get involved in some vices, like, you know, just drinking recklessly, partying, all those things that they started Shifting from my heart, I started being given the graces to just walk away from certain social settings I was in, um, certain groups that weren't helping me grow in virtue as I was looking for. But I was still attracted to men. And I still am attracted to men. And I might always be attracted to men. I truly believe that it is the cross that I'm like, Lord, if you want this cup, you can take it. You know, like, I'm not going to be mad at that. Um, But I really believe it's the cross that the Lord's just like, it's just heavy enough to keep me at the foot of his, to keep me begging for mercy, for grace. And by the grace of God, it's been five and a half years since that that night in my bedroom when I fell on my knees. It has not by any means been easy. It was not overnight. Metanoia, right? Ongoing conversion. We're constantly being made new. So the story's not done yet. I'm still a mess, <laughs> just in different ways. My life looks very different than it did. Um, I now pursue a life in Christ, I pursue virtue, I strive to live according to church teachings on human sexuality. Um This past five and a half years has really just been me coming to understand like, okay, the Father does not see me for my sin. He does not see me for X, Y, and Z, for my struggle, for my past. Abba Father sees me as loved, as His, as beloved. And so the past five and a half years has just been diving into that. Like, what does it mean Mm -hmm. to be a son? What does it mean to be Jesus's? What does it mean to be beloved? Uh, Let me tell you, Katie, I've never been more alive (laughs) more at peace and more free than I have been in the Catholic church. Yeah. Doesn't mean I don't have (laughs) struggles or my moments, you know, like if anything, like this life is in many ways harder than it was before. Living for Jesus isn't easy. That's why he came and died on a cross, but it's worth it. And yeah, by the grace of God, now I'm able to share the goodness of what the Lord has done in my life with others and just invite them into that same belovedness. Yeah, Because that's where it all, that's where it's at. That's where the gold is. So God is good. All glory be His.
0: Yeah, what a powerful story, Manny. Thank you for sharing. I, I have a specific question I want to ask from what you shared, kind of at the at the start, and kind of understanding and discovering. Okay, well, this is this is who I'm attracted to. I noticed you you didn't say this is who I am, because mm-hmm. I do think that that's a that's a narrative of the world, right? Like you are your sexuality, your identity mm-hmm. is only who you're attracted to. Yeah. And then you you talked about sharing with your parents. I want to specifically go to that moment because I, I mean, we have a lot of adult parent listeners who maybe have walked this road. And as much as I love Holy Mother Church, I sometimes feel like our church doesn't give a whole lot of good guidance in regards to like, how do you have compassion and love for your gay child? How do mm. you have compassion and care for the person in your life that you love very, very much identifies in this way? and you have compassion for them without necessarily condoning or you you walk alongside them and hold them in their mess your words without saying okay well i'm i'm going to just say yep it's totally fine for you to be messy in that way yeah tell me about your mom and dad in the re- way that they helped you in the way that they maybe kind of kept that that faith alive within you whether you realize it or not in that that time of exploration how would you give advice to catholic parents who maybe you're hearing this and are like oh my gosh, like I, I want to be as good as they were. How can they do that?
1: Yeah. I mean, great question, Katie. First of all, my mom and dad will be the first to say, whenever I tell my story, they're always like, dude, you make us sound so much better than we are. I'm like, I first and foremost, like attribute to grace, you know, constantly leaning on the sacraments, prayer. Like if we're not praying, if we're not asking Jesus to love, to teach us how to love, then we're not going to, we're not going to, he is love himself. He's the one who's going to show us. Mm -hmm. So first and foremost, read yourself in prayer and the sacraments as my parents, you know, did. But then on top of that, I think a few points, as you said, my parents met me in IMS. They also didn't allow me to stay there, though. So I do want to clarify. My dad, in awkward dad fashion, a few days after we had that conversation where nothing was said, he actually came back to me and was just like, hey, son, like let's talk about what happened. He asked me if I wanted to go see a family friend of ours, a dear family friend who was like an uncle to me, who was a priest, who is a priest. And so he... Within a couple of days was like, okay, I met you in your mess, but now let's like, let's talk about this. And that priest did tell me about church teaching. He did tell me, speak truth into me. So it is important to emphasize yes, meet people in their mess, but there is also that space where like where truth needs to be spoken, it does not need to be spoken. Like when mm-hmm. I when I started dating men, and my parents knew that was my senior year of high school, they vocalized to me. Like my dad and mom at one point had to tell me, like, we just want to let you know some like so that we are clear, like we we don't support you dating guys. But I think what was beautiful about my parents was even though that truth was then spoken, it also wasn't a consistent pounding. Like every time they talked to me, they had to make it known. They mm-hmm. had to let me know that I was, you know, what I was doing was wrong and I was sinning. And I, it was like, no, it was a one and done. It was like, they found the moment where the Holy Spirit was like, speak truth. They spoke truth. But again, why did I care to listen? Because I already knew they cared. Because first mm-hmm. and foremost, the way they responded to me initially and the way they consistently responded to me moving forward and just throughout Mm -hmm. was still one of like tenderness, compassion, investing in me for the whole of who I was beyond my sexuality, just in general for, you know, getting to know me, my hobbies, my interests, my X, Y, Z. And so from that place of just that foundation of like, okay, I know they love me. I know they care about me. They were able to speak that truth. And it was like a one and done where it was like, okay, I know what mom and dad think. Mm -hmm. We don't need to consistently just, I think the mistake many people make is they feel the need to like be his mouthpiece consistently. Where it's like, sometimes you need to be his ears. Sometimes we just need to listen, you know? And mom and dad listened. They were his mouthpiece when they needed to be. They spoke. They kept listening after that. And it was like, I knew what they believed. We respected the boundaries. And then it was like, but I still saw they still loved me and still cared mm-hmm. through that.
0: Yeah. It sounds a lot like what Jesus does with the woman at the well. I mean, he, mm. he perfectly acknowledges, like, I, I see you. I know what's going on in your heart. But I'm still going to sit here with you right now, and and then we're going to get up and we're going to walk away. If you've seen The Chosen, the way that they portray that is just such a profound moment. And then, of course, the little joke later when she invites them into the house, and she says, that room is haunted. And Jesus, of course, goes, well, that's the one I want to stay in. (laughs) But I mean, this week, Father Agostino starts with the story of the woman at the well. And I love how he says, it's not that he finds her at the well, it's that she finds him Mm. at the well and and in your, in your experiences, in your journey, those moments of people seeing and loving you and not letting you stay there, but speaking that truth. But then as you walk that journey, tell me about, let's go back to that, that evening where it's like, okay, I'm going to invite Jesus in. How does a person maybe, especially in the Lenten season, say that like without fear, like, okay, Lord, like I, I don't know what's next, but I know that grace is real and I want that grace in my life. That's a, that's a really nice thing to say one evening. How do you then do it the next morning? Like what happens when you walk away from the well after that encounter? How have you experienced that part of it?
1: Great question, Katie. I mean, I, I would like to be transparent that, and I always you know, emphasize this, that it was not overnight. It was not easy. Um, I lost a lot of people, right? And even the Lord mm-hmm. warns that like, you know, turning and giving our lives same, like people are going to walk away. Like 95% of my community, like people I consider my best friends left. And I was told I was brainwashed. I was told I was crazy, like all these things. And so it was very hard, right? But I think how the Lord then handed to my needs in that way was that then He replenished that people that left, He then replaced with people who willed my good, who were gonna support me in my journey moving forward of just pursuing holiness, that were gonna root me in Him, who pushed me towards the sacraments, you know, even my family that, like, Mm. when I had no friends, I still had my family. It was like, I had people around me, though, who were pushing me. Like, it was like, okay, all these people left. They were behind. But there were people now who were like, I'm ready to move forward. So I would say, if you are someone who this Lent is just like, I want to surrender. I want to give it. Like, let's go all in. Like, I'm going 100% of Jesus. Make sure you have or look for or ask the Lord even. Pray a bold prayer and be like, Lord, give me people who are going to walk with me and support me through Mm. this. Right? Who are going to carry my cross with me because even Jesus had Simon of Cyrene, even he had somebody carrying that cross to him, And so you cannot do it alone, okay? And so it's like, Lord, again, pray, like Jesus loves bold prayers. Like pray that, like Jesus, if you don't have those people already in your life, Jesus, send me these people, send me friends, send me somebody, show me a, something at my parish, show me, like give me something, some sort of community, some sort of fellowship that can push me in this direction, that can hold me accountable, that can encourage me, that can call me higher, I think that played a huge role in my conversion. And even when you think of like the Samaritan woman, it talks about how, you know, like she goes back to the town, she shares what the Lord has done. And then people started flocking. People started Mm -hmm. supporting her and encouraging her and they were encouraged. And it was this mutual exchange of just blessing and anointing. And it was like, there was a building up, right? Of the body that they came together. Mm -hmm. And so in the same way, I encourage you, like if you're going to go all in with the Lord, praise God, like go out and proclaim it and let people gather ask the Lord to just gather people around you in the same way he did with a Samaritan woman so that you don't have to do this alone. It's so important.
0: Yeah, I feel like that's one of the antidotes to self-hatred mm-hmm. is like we experience self-hatred when we feel very, very lonely or very, very isolated. Years ago, when I, I was traveling a ton at a point in my career, I'd left the classroom. We had a young child. I was traveling. So I'd be gone like three days, home for four, gone for three. But, you know, it was we we called it shift work. And I, I was gone a lot of weekends, and I remember saying to my husband, "I feel like I don't have any friends." Mm. because it was like doing all of this great stuff, but then like feeling incredibly isolated in my own hometown. And without my knowing, my husband started intentionally praying for me to see friendship. He was like, "You have friends. you just don't know that you have them or you you can't." experience that friendship in the same way because they might be spread all over the country and like within the year all of a sudden I started to realize I was surrounded by this community so you say like pray bold prayers like sometimes the bold prayer is just for eyes to see what the Lord is providing sometimes the bold prayer is like lead me to a, a distinct conversion how do you think in the season of Lent where we're like specifically called to pray and to fast and to give alms that we can do this more intentionally what does Lent often look like for you as a 25-year-old young adult in grad school, like how how do you Lent and what's your encouragement for people in Lent?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm very blessed that I go to um, Franciscan University of Superville, which is a very Catholic university. So I'm very surrounded here by <laughs> men and women who, you know, we're all on the same page. We're all doing Lent together. We're all walking in the desert together. So I'm very blessed that Lent for me, at least when I'm on campus, because there are Lents obviously where I'm not, but this Lent I'll be on campus. For me, it looks very much so like just, again, having those brothers and sisters who can encourage me and hold me accountable in my goals of Lent, which is to just dive in, to go into the desert. I think for me, this Lent, I can speak into particularly, like, I'm going to the desert with a mindset of, like, I really just want the Lord to just strip and just take away, like, just, like, certain false idols in my life. And, like, I'm going in with the bold, like, I want to boldly pray, like, Lord, when we're going to this desert, like, I want to thirst for you in a whole new way. Like, strip me, take things away, mm-hmm. like, show me the ways that I need to thirst for you in my life. And again, that bold, like, I think that the ongoing theme here is bold prayer. Like, go into the desert and ask the Lord, like, Lord, like, we're going in for the next 40 days. I'm going to fast. I'm going to go to mass every day. I'm going to, you know, X, Y, Z, whatever you need to do. But like, I'm going to give my all and show up. And so I asked Lord Jesus that you just like, do the same, like, show up for me in my mess, in my struggle, in my doubt, in my fear. Like, guys, Jesus already knows what's going on in your heart. He's, see- mm-hmm. He's God. So it's like, just <laughs> bring it. Like, bring it to the desert, these 40 days. Whether that looks like, again, daily Mass, Adoration daily. If you can't go daily, then as often as you can. Fasting, like guys, come. on. Lent is the one season where we're forced to fast. Like it's like, come <laughs> on, like fast. It is so powerful. And I need to eat my words because I don't fast as much as I should. <laughs>
0: I don't think anybody does. Don't yeah, worry. Right. Not, a, not I know. a single person on this podcast has ever been like, I love fasting. We've tried to get somebody, but nobody says it. <laughs> and
1: all of that, again, with all those things, like with the intention of just being with him, sitting with him, but also bringing to him all that you are, your you're hurt. Your dark, your light, your joy, all of it. Just bring it to the Lord, bring it to Him in the desert. Um, Just pray that bold prayer of like, Jesus, I give this to you and like, show up. He's God.
0: I think we resist it. I don't know. Maybe this is just in my experience. I resist bringing it all because I'm like, oh, he's going to be freaked out by that. (laughs) You know, and I heard a talk given years ago by my friend, Annie Hickman, where he said, you know, it's like we welcome Jesus over to the house for dinner and we shove everything in that like one closet.
1: Mm.
0: we're like nobody opens that closet we all have that hallway closet that's where we put all the the stuff that we don't want anyone to see so it looks nice and spick and span and then we go to the closet to put like one more thing in there and we open it up and jesus is just like sitting on top of the pile and he's like hi guys like this is actually where i live like this is where i want to come i I don't just want to hang out in the living room i don't just want to sit in the dining room like i want to go to the dark places of your heart and and bring light to that Mm. We're, we're keeping these all very very short you've got lots of great wisdom to share and and I want I want to give you a chance to tell people you know like we're at the halfway point of Lent when we hit week three this is the part where people like modify their fast oh you know I gave up sugar but I didn't give up coffee creamer I did that to myself <laughs> <left> <laughs> year. like is good, coffee creamer good. really sugar like it's right right. Milk, right this
1: could be a whole um, episode in itself we're just, yeah. not even gonna, just like yeah. what
0: what we what we modify it's the same way we do it with our New year's resolutions oh, I'm gonna ride the peloton once a week ah oh, maybe once a month right like we like we shift them But at the halfway point, I feel like this is the perfect chance to encourage people like to do what you just said, to go all in. So you find yourself walking on campus and somebody says, Manny, my Lent sucks. It's just awful. What do you say to them? Like, how do you encourage them in that moment?
1: I think it's important, first and foremost, to remember um, that Lent doesn't have to look like anything other than you and Jesus. Mm. So I just want to speak over the listener that your Lent just because your friend is going to mass every day and is, you know, bleeding at the foot of the cross with the heart of Jesus (laughs) pouring over them doesn't mean that that needs, that's your, your walk with the Lord is unique. It is special. Like, so it doesn't need to look like anything particular. What I would tell that person is, first of all, I think I would ask, I would challenge like, well, why does it suck? Like, what, what is it about this Lent? Like, what were you expecting? Mm -hmm. Or like, why does it, because obviously if it sucks, that means you were expecting something that's not meeting the expectation or it's not, you know, so Mm -hmm. I would first and foremost challenge, like, what were you expecting from this Lent? And then again, okay, that's what you're expecting, whatever it was that they you know share. That's what you're expecting. Okay, go to the Lord and share that. Again, he knows your wants and your desires of your heart mm-hmm. already. So like he knows what you're expecting. He knows what you want. So now go to him and just be bold in prayer. Be like, Jesus, I thought you were going to show up in this way in Lent and you haven't, and you didn't. And then from there, how do you want to show up this Lent? Show me, Lord. Like mm. how, what is this Lent supposed to look like for us? not according to my will, not according to what I'm expecting, though it's valid, whatever it is you're feeling, but rather like, Lord, what is it you want to do this Lent? What is it you want to show me? Because again, I'm going to Lent with this feeling of like, I want my idols to be stripped, whatever. That could totally, it could totally not go that way. And like, I might be disappointed, but at the same time, like, then it's like, okay, Lord, this is how I thought it was going to go. Kind of sucks that it's not going this way, but like Jesus, then how do you want this to go? communicate here, man, like what's going on, <laughs> you know, or man, God, rather, I should say like, God, man, <laughs> I would challenge what sucks about it. And then, okay, like you, maybe you had expectations, maybe thought it would go a certain way. Okay. Go to Lord now and s- express that to him. Be like, Jesus, this sucks. Like, I thought this was going to go some way. It didn't. Lord, how do you want this to go? Like, show me, like, how do you want this to go? Or, and even as your husband's saying, echoing kind of history and thought of, like, or Lord, if this is already going the way, I mean, it's already going the way you were wanting it to go, open my eyes then to see what you've already done that I haven't yet seen or
0: haven't yeah. acknowledged. Ah, oh, such a good word. Manny, I think you need a podcast. <laughs> where can folks follow you? Where can they hear what you're sharing? Maybe bring you in to give your testimony, to, to give a talk. Where, where are all things Manny Gonzalez?
1: Yeah, Katie, thank you. So you can go ahead and find me on social media i mainly active on Instagram. My social media is call me Manny. So call me and then Manny with two extra Y's at the end. So three Y's total. <laughs> also, you can look me up my website. If you look up on Google, like what a beautiful cross Manny or what a beautiful cross Catholic or whatever, it'll come up. Um, unfortunately, it's still a Wix site. I need to definitely buy that domain because I've <laughs> I've said this. It is embarrassing at this point to be saying this in this way. I'm the kind of, you know, platforms I'm on. So you can find me there. Either call me Manny or what a beautiful cross on my website. There are contact pages to bring me in or just contact me or, you know, whatever. So
0: Manny, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. I'm really grateful.
1: God is good. Thank you. Pray for me, friends.
0: Manny did an interview recently with my friends, uh, Jackie and Bobby Angel, frequent guests here on, uh, Ave Explores. Bobby has a great book with Ave Maria Press about gaming and virtue. It's fantastic. If you use code AEX24, it'll get you a discount on that book and so much else over on the Ave Maria Press website. But Manny did a, an interview with Jackie, and there was this clip that I saw on social media where he talked about when we hand our desires over to the Lord, when we we let him take charge of, and in this particular instance, he was talking about a career, then we we see that God sometimes takes things from us that he knows are not good for us. He sometimes gives us things that we never would have necessarily pursued for ourselves. And I was really struck by that image, this idea of Jesus knows best. And that's hard. That's hard for the control freak, of which I am one. That's hard for the person who has planned out what they want their Lent to look like. That's hard for the person, any of us, who maybe walk into times of prayer with this lesson plan, to let the Lord purify us by showing us his better plan. I thought Manny shared really beautifully about that. Gave me a lot to think about. Hopefully, was incredibly helpful to you. This series, by the way, that we're doing here on Ave Explorers is part of our Lenten series. We do this every year. We have an Advent series, we have a Lenten series, then we have two other seasons over the course of the year that dive into these topics. We're super proud of what we create here at Ave Explorers. And if you go to our website, avemariapress.com, not only do you find the best Catholic books being published today, and I say that hand to God, I love everything that Ave Maria Press is creating, and I know you will too, but we also have all of our old series. We've created over 150 episodes of this podcast. We've got hundreds of thousands of downloads, incredible long form conversations, and, and quick punch in the arm content. We also have a sister podcast uh, that we absolutely love Ave Spotlight, where we dig into weekly topics that are very relevant to what's going on in the culture. All of that's available on Ave Maria Press's website. We'd be grateful if you'd subscribe, if you'd follow the show, you give it a rating, you give it a review, more people find it. We love what we're doing here. We love that we have you along for the ride. We'll be back next week for the fourth week of Lent. We're chugging through. We're making our way to Easter. We're understanding our pull to heaven. So make sure you're subscribed to the show, following the show so you don't miss a single episode. Know that we're praying for you as we walk through Lent together and come to realize, of course, that we are made for heaven.